brought your sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. You know, maybe you didn't feel like coming tonight, but you got up anyhow, and you got ready, and here you are. And so that's a sacrifice. Now sacrifice and just give it all to him, and let's just bring our sacrifice of praise to the Lord tonight. We have a few written requests. We just want to continue to remember uh, Brother Ron Spencer and Sister Vicki Tidwell. I think she had a, a pretty bad day today. My understanding is she had... Uh, five blood transfusions today and she she's just uh, really really in, in in bad shape but she got to feeling a little bit better this evening so let's just continue to remember her you know uh, it's never too late for God you know he created this body so he can do he can do whatever he wants to do tonight let's just pray his will be done also uh, sister Shirley I think lost uh, her, her uncle uh, Will Harris and they're having a service for him on the 15th on Sunday for uh, visitation from 1 to 2. And the service will be at 2 at Scales uh, Funeral Home in Murfreesboro. So just remember Sister Shirley and her family tonight. The Lord will just comfort and be with them. And I'm sure there are other requests tonight. If you'll just make those known by an uplifted hand, God, he sees our needs and know what we have need of in this service tonight. And looking forward to what he has in store for us, ain't you? Amen. Brother Johnson, come right here. church tonight. I come expecting tonight. I've been missing church. I'm ready to have church tonight. So I'm going to pull. Y'all pull and we'll, we'll, we'll have service tonight. Let's bond together and pray together as a family. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we truly love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, all the things that you do for us, Lord, you touch our bodies in so many miracle ways, Lord, and protect us from so much evil, Lord, that we don't even see. But, Lord, we're a thankful group this morning, Lord, this evening, that we would worship you, Lord. We would come together this evening, Lord, to, Lord, invite you into our presence, Lord, and to give you honor and praise, Lord, and lift your name, Lord. And, Lord, we ask you to come take part, every part of this service, Lord, and the request by the Ron, Sister Vicky, Lord, and all of the hands that was raised. You see each and every one of them, Lord. Would you move for them in a mighty way this evening, Lord? Move upon the scene, Lord. And, Touch broken bodies, Lord. Touch sicknesses in our lives, 
Lord. Touch spiritual needs in our lives. Touch our pastor tonight, Lord. Strengthen him in a mighty way, I ask you, Lord. And Lord, be with our service. Touch Brother Mark in the song service. Lead him down the path to go. Allows us to worship you, Lord. We should be so excited to worship you tonight, Lord. And forget all of our days, transgressions, Lord. And just lift our hands and say we love you, Lord. Lord, be with us and let us hear from your word tonight, Lord. Speak to us in a mighty way, I ask you, Lord. And Lord, we give you thanks, we give you honor, we give you praise. In thy lovely name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good to see you, Brother Ben. Bless you, my brother. Let's sing together tonight, if you will. I think it's in key of G. Oh, living below in this so sinful world, there's hardly a comfort can afford. Striving alone to face temptation sore.
standing on his promises living in his word we'll overcome standing on his promises one by one understand that during the the youth retreat sister Wanda got a little happy with us during that song amen (laughs) amen it's something to get happy about isn't it (laughs) stand on his promises tonight well I'll say yes Lord, yes, to your will, to your way, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey, with your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes, one more time. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord as for how many can say that tonight? And my house, we will serve the Lord as for me and my house. Serve the Lord. 
we're going to serve the Lord. I mean, why do we come this far just to play around and just float along with the tide? we got to work and press tonight. And so I'm determined. I'm going all the way. I'm going through regardless of what everybody else does. Let's sing just a little bit of that. Lord, I started out to walk in the light shining upon me from heaven so else does this truth has been revealed to me and I believe it with my whole heart and I believe it's going to change this body right here to immortal body one day amen we'll let you have your seats we'll have our ushers to come tonight and receive the evening offering we want to wish brother Rodney Gibbons I believe it's his birthday today we want to wish him a happy birthday brother Rodney if you're listening we want to tell you tonight happy birthday amen let's just sing this chorus I believe it's Well, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain and cleansed by
know about you, but I'm so glad that I'm a part, Amen. Brother Greg, of the family of God. Yes, this I'd rather be here with this family than anybody I know. If you are friends and, 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 and spend more time with the people of the world, then I feel sorry for you because right here is where I'd rather be with all God's people. I think Sister Audrey and Sister you, Tabitha, has got a song for us tonight, so they want to make their way up and sing it. You know, it goes out, but it does come back eventually. Praise the Lord. As long as it comes back, we're all right, aren't we? told I belong at the end of the line with all the other not quite with all the never get a rise but it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time cause I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about Since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Well, Moses had stage fright, and David brought a rock to a sword fight. You picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen And you changed the world The moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil start talking to me Saying who do you think you are I say I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody Living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. So let me go down, down, down in history 
sing something for us tonight, or at least just sing. That's all that matters. 
can say thank you Lord for your blessings I have a roof up above me and a good place to sleep Amen. food on my table and shoes on my feet we're blessed tonight how many are thankful that you're blessed just to have eyes to see and ears to hear what is being ministered in this hour we are so blessed I think sometimes we forget just how blessed we really are Amen. I say it every day I said Lord I'm blessed I'm blessed I still have this heartbeat in my chest and I'm blessed, and I thank you for it, Lord. Let's stand together, if you will, tonight as we invite our pastor to come and deliver. Let's remember him in prayer tonight in a very special way. I th- he pulled a muscle in one of his arms, and he's been in excruciating pain. But we know God is able tonight. I just pray that the anointing will come, and just anoint him so much he won't even realize it's there. But, and that God will just heal him instantly. I believe God's able to do that. You believe God's able to do that tonight. Amen. We're believers, so we believe tonight, don't we? Amen. I'm just trusting and believing our Lord for our pastor tonight. Let's sing it. Oh, Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Lord, to you. Oh, closer, Lord, to you. Oh, and let this world
Jesus Christ. If we make it, it'll be by rapture and faith. It all by faith. The entire Christian walk is by faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's easier to say it, but believing it, it's another thing. So praise God this evening. We're happy to be in the house of the Lord with you on a Wednesday evening. Thank God for special songs tonight, our musicians, our song leader, all the wonderful songs that were sang. Certainly appreciate that. Tabitha, certainly enjoy that tonight. Amen. And then that beautiful song by Dr. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Aren't you grateful for God's blessings? Amen. I sent you a little note today. Certainly appreciate the musicians. And I'm going to attempt to um, try to um, speak to you a little bit tonight, the Lord helping me. And, uh, but before I do, before I preach this sermon, I want to give you my disclaimer and disclosure. During and at the end of the sermon, 
you can choose to agree and receive the word, support me, or get on the Joseph hater list and start fighting me, the choice is yours. Or you can allow the Holy Spirit to expose your past mistakes and bring healing to those painful areas of your life. Or clutch to the crutches of your past, get mad, upset, and angry at the one that is trying to bring healing in your life. I want to make sure the disclosure is open. You have the choice. You, you choose after I preach tonight what direction you want to go. But I believe I got some people in the house that want to hear truth. Now, it's it, it probably going to pinch you a little bit. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to preach tonight. Because Satan did everything he can to try to stop me from preaching these family series that I've, I've had prepared for over some years now. I look at the schedule of my sermon. Each time I enter my, my office as the Holy Spirit gives me the message, I schedule the service on my calendar. And this very particular segment tonight, it has been canceled due to sickness, been canceled through the holidays, been canceled through the first of the year. And I note every time I go back in why the sermons were canceled. As I went into the study this morning, just praying, trying to find the leadership of the Lord, just pushing through the day by faith, I said, Satan, you're not stopping me tonight. Amen. Amen. The record showed that there was a question on tonight, and I want to answer that question. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. In the book of Timothy chapter 5, if you would give that to me quickly, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. This is a very touching letter written to uh, Timothy, Paul's dearly beloved son, shortly, shortly before his martyrdom. He's writing now to uh, Timothy here. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Jesus Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Isn't that wonderful? That here, here is Paul now who sort of took uh, Timothy, young Timothy, under his wings. And, and he's stating now that how that uh, with a pure conscience, he has never ceased to pray for this young man. Isn't that wonderful? To have someone who is determined to pray for you, it is a, it is a great value. And Paul was such a man, as we read it here, uh, greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of uh, thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. 
When I call to remembrance the unframed faith that is in thee, which dwell first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So Paul now he's, he's dealing with, as we, we're going to talk about this tonight, this is the family part one. He's going back and he's pulling up the history of young Timothy. That he's stating to Timothy that I, I, I know that there are many good things in you, Timothy, but I want to bring you in remembrance of some rich heritage that you came out of. That was in your grandmother and now in your mother. And, 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 and I, I pay particular attention today in looking at this scripture to see how that Paul was actually uh, giving uh, Timothy uh, uh, a pat on the back. He was giving him uh, he was he was giving him praise. He was actually encouraging him, but wasn't so much in what what Paul what Timothy had done in his life, his achievements, his accomplishment, but what had actually transpired in his family generation. He was going back in the history of this young man's life and bringing up rich heritage. That was there, that was now even visible in Timothy's life. So he focused on the things that was instilled in his life. You see, there's a path that God has for all of us as Christians. And there are rich heritage that are given to us as, uh, as leaders of our homes, as parents, as, uh, as siblings, as children, as our grandchildren and the entire family, it's all there, God placed before us. There are rich heritage that are there, but it is up to you and I tonight as Christians to explore those rich heritage that God has placed there. We can keep them on the surface or we can go deep into what is there and pull up those things that have been instilled in our lives. Or we can look the opposite way, join society, go the way of, our, 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 of, the, of the world, of society and, and, and modern civilization. Or we can stay with the pattern that God has given us. And I believe he has given us a rich pattern tonight. There's no greater uh, value or anything as rich and, and pure as the word of God tonight. Because everything else will pass away, but the word of God will stand tonight. So I want you to join me tonight as we look into this uh, passage and explore uh, several areas here. We'll probably be on in a while and joining with me. I'll try to just teach tonight so you just pay attention and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your love to us. We thank you for your amazing grace. Lord, I'm here tonight in obedience to that you have instructed me to minister the word of God tonight. So I'm, I'm depending upon your leadership 
and your guidance to be near me tonight, Lord, as I speak on matters that concerns uh, the family of God. As we know, Lord, you desire and love a family of your own, to have sons and daughters like unto yourself. We ask that you'll give me wisdom tonight as I explore the word of God. Uh, may something be said here tonight to encourage the entire body, and may we leave here a better people, Lord, that will be pleasing to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the church says, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. As we all know, and goes without hesitation, it is a well-known fact that all Christian families are under major attack and assault of Satan in this age. It has always been Satan's ambition to attack family, particularly the family of God. Because it was God's desire, it was God's plan, it was God's ambition of his own to institute a family, to extend his attributes into his lineage, his family. Uh, people to whom he can feel, touch, that are tangible. It was one thing for God, Elohim, to exist by himself in his thoughts. But then God wanted to express those thoughts into something that was reachable, tangible flesh that stood before him. And that's his children tonight. We understand that Satan tonight has no respect of persons when it comes to executing his plots in destroying Christian value and Christian families. As he started out from the Garden of Eden, it has been his ambition, and yet it is tonight to destroy and to put a halt on families in general. Now we understand tonight that the home life is becoming more uncertain. There are so many uncertainties in our family life tonight. And simply because that we are the bride of Jesus Christ, we are not excluded from Satan's attempt to assault us and to bring our families at a halt. Now many of us here tonight are, are victims of circumstances. Uh, we are mature Christians to know that things has happened uh, by mistakes, by free will. Uh, maybe, uh, uh, maybe something that was inherited, a family, a trait, or certain things that has passed on down into the generation. And we're here today as a, recept a reception of all these things that, that has happened. Now I know that the blood of Jesus Christ and being born again erases all of our past, all the negative things, all the things that we, we were not guilty of. But yet we deal with these areas of our lives uh, in our flesh. Many of these things are, have been inscribed upon the canopy of our hearts 
and our minds and uh, we are still struggling dealing with these matters. Only the rapture will change that simply because your bodies will be changed. And we understand now as the soul is to the body, so are Christians in this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. The soul is of the body, but the soul comes from somewhere else. And it is not the body that actually goes in the rapture. It is the soul. So while we're here, we're struggling with uh, many of these things that have been indelibly marked upon our lives. And some of us still carry the shame and reproach and scars of these things. But I'm here tonight to remind you that Jesus Christ is still able to wash us clean and prepare us and present us faultless before the throne of God with no errors or mistakes or family dilemmas, family backgrounds, family traits, or any of these things tonight. So I want to deal tonight with where we are. The assaults that has been made upon us. Brother Ram dealt with the present stage of family life and home life in this quote, and it says, the uncertain sound, 1960, said, evil is besetting the people on every hand, and everything's going wrong. Home life going wrong. You see, the consequences of the struggle we feel it is because of the disobedient of, of Eve from the beginning. And this disobedience has passed on from one generation to the other. And as we see it now, it brings about and fertilizes besetting, besetting things, evil uh, in our lives. And uh, it causes uh, things in our home life to uh, be in the wrong. You see, there's seemingly a breakdown and decline in family life. It goes without saying. We, we see the, what's happening in our churches. Even though we are the bride of Christ, we're still facing the same family dilemmas, scenarios, and problems that people in the world and in the denominations are facing. But you know what? We have the antidote. We have the antidote. We have the answer to the devil's question tonight. We have the same problems, but we have a God who's able to give us directives in our lives tonight. Can you say amen? You see, many disorderly and dysfunctional homes are becoming more and more visible in our message ranks tonight. We're, we're seeing it, it's, it's vastly increasing. As sin increases, we're seeing the threat to message family increasing. There is an enormous percentage of disorder and dysfunctional family within our ranks. You see, it's Satan's ambition to bring disorder to your family. To cause 
uh, a dysfunctional family and things to, uh, to actually uh, bring a, a strain on the family. Satan is trying his best to disrupt your destiny and God's purpose for your lives tonight. Satan has set out and has swore to shift you like wheat tonight. But praise God, I'm glad Jesus said that I pray for you. So tonight I come to let you know there is a definite problem somewhere in our family life. You know, it is my prayer studies as I go through life and I, I see these many things. It is my prayers and study and in, uh, in my experience to see the people of God uh, propel and uh, Go beyond these things that is uh, succumbing their lives. Now you well know tonight, as I begin to break into the subject matter. Thank you, Brother Matt. You know, Satan don't really like the service tonight. You know, he's doing everything he can. He doesn't want you to hear what I have to tell you tonight. You know why? Because I've been on the back side of the desert. Amen. And I come this evening with a message unselfishly tonight to stand before you and deliver this message regardless. And by God's help, I will. You believe it? By God's help, I will deliver tonight. Now, so we understand now as we see it, is my prayers, and in my prayers and studies and experience tonight, as a pastor, I can only conclude that uh, many have uh, deserted God's pattern uh, for the family life. We've seen that it is the only way that Satan can actually break into the stream of your family by bringing and presenting to you things and practice and ways of our culture and society to allow you to be desensitized from the ways of God and to allow you to be blended in to the way of civilization tonight. Now, there are certain patterns that God instituted in a home that must be followed in order for his approval and blessings to rest upon a single family. You must come God's provided way and there is a divine order for every family tonight. I believe there is a divine order. God has instituted that order tonight. Our families need an absolute and that absolute are the principles of God's divine, vindicated, validated word that has stood the test of time. It is a time-tested memorial of God. God has not only given us 
the Bible, but he has given us divine interpretation with divine vindication in this age. In the Old Testament of old, we go, as we see it, there are three compartments. There is the holies of holies. There is the holy place. And there is the outer courts. On the outer courts, there is a brazen lava with water and the burnt heifer ashes that is sprinkled into the water. As we leave that and we enter into the holy place, on the right hand we understand is the seven golden candlesticks. On the left side are the table. Hallelujah. The table with the showbread. Amen. With the furniture and such like. Entering right before it is the veil. And behind the veil is the holies of holies. And dwelling behind there is the ark of the covenants. And over the ark of the covenant is the cherubims. Guarding the mercy seat with interlocked wings. Above them is a light called the Shekinah glory. That shines upon the ark of the covenants. And pierced itself through the veil. And into the seven golden candlesticks. This is Jehovah God reflecting himself through the seven messenger to every age. And they are given the message from God through the pillar of fire. And then that light, that word is reflected into the waters of separation. That when a believer comes up to the water of separation, he is washed by the light from the seven golden candlesticks reflected from the Shekinah glory. Yes, we have a sure word of prophecy. Hallelujah. We've been given a sure word of prophecy. Luther's message wouldn't wash us. Neither would Wesley. Neither would denominational theology ever meet the challenge of this age. But we have been given a message. And the light of the seventh angel messenger is reflecting in the waters of separation. I say, saints of God, wash yourself in the word for this age. And you will be presentable as the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. Now our family needs, as I mentioned to submerge themselves, to marinate themselves in God's holy word. It is the only standard in this age. It is the only, uh, it's the only staying power that will keep us afloat the uh, insane world that we live in tonight. For you know we're living in a neurotic age. An age filled with total defilements and corruption of your imaginations and minds tonight. 
But yet God is calling to us as Christians to make his word the absolute. Now our families and homes need order tonight. Allow me to quote from the message, Thirsting for Life, 1959. Brother Bram said, we pass down the streets many times and we see a house that sometimes we say, isn't that a lovely home? Now it might look like a lovely home, but a home is the order of the house. You see the order that's in it. Order of the family. Understand, friends, a disorderly family will produce disorderly children and heritage. When you look at uh, when you look at the lives of our teenager in our message, and you begin to put yourselves in their shoes as to what they're facing. I tell you, friends, every temptation has more than multiplied itself a hundred times over from our temptations. Every battle that we face has been multiplied a hundred times over. Then we must place ourselves in their shoes to understand the the area of their lives of what they are dealing with, what they're facing, and the magnitude of demonic power and streams of demons that is coming against them. It's a very scary thing when you think about it tonight. But tonight I don't want to deal with the family. I want to talk about how important it is to maintain an orderly home with an orderly family. Because we see that this orderly home will produce disorderly families. And not only uh, am I referring to uh, children underage, but grown children likewise. Many times the sins of the fathers and the mothers uh, sometimes uh, are passed on to the next generation and many times uh, unbeknownst to us if they are not uh, uh, severed by the blood of Jesus Christ and carefully confessed and dropped in the bleach of the blood uh, there is an element of life that still exists in those uh, areas uh, where we have failed. You see unruly, rude, unmanly, rebellious. And a generation that's not subject to authority in our age. And not only are we seeing this amongst teenagers and young adults. But we're watching the spirits like a python. It's snuffing the life of out of people who are Christians. I mean adults. They're struggling with the subjection of authority in their lives. Why is America the way she is? 
It's because she renounces any authority. But I'm here to say tonight that God's kingdom is built by authority. And that authority must be executed into the lives of God's people tonight. We believe in kingdom authority tonight that covers us. We can see these traits also in adults and track them all the way back to a disorderly home tonight. You see, friends, God is never mindful or neither does it bother God to have mercy upon our shortcomings in our iniquities and our sins. But what God carefully looks at tonight is things that we overlook that has been a thorn, so to speak, in the lives of our ancestry. The thorns that was in the lives of Israel's founding fathers that was never taken care of. And this is what God was speaking of when he spoke to Paul about certain thorns in the flesh. It wasn't so much sicknesses as it was the disobedience of the fathers and mothers that became a thorn in the flesh to the new rising generation under Joshua and Caleb. Are you following me tonight? I'm going to drive it home tonight. Just bear with me. I may not get anything but the foundation sure tonight. But I'm assured I'm good tonight. Listen, friends. I believe it's important that we know these things. That we understand that these traits of these things that are stricken down through generation has now become Amalekites. In our family life. This is why God told Joshua and Moses to go through the land and kill all the Amalekites and the babies, the infants, the newborns, because they were soon mature into full grown warriors against the Israelites. I want to take a close look at some of these principles and patterns that God has instituted. Uh, in place uh, tonight. First and foremost, the husband is the head of the house. That is God's choice, God's principle, God's decision. It was God's final plan for a man to be the head of his house. He's solely responsible for what goes on in his family. Now, we don't always live up to that. But God's plan is that we still remain the head of our home. 
This is why there's mercy and forgiveness that is granted to all of us. But it is God's foremost plan that a man be the head of his house. And now why is that? Because you see, man was given the power to rule over all dominion. Fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, of the creeping things, of botany life, and all creation. It was not Adam that fell, but Eve who fell in the transgression tonight. Therefore, Adam came straight from the gene and mine and blood cell of God. The woman came from uh, the side of the man. She is the byproduct of the man. But it is absolutely important that a man, a husband, understands his responsibility as the head of the house. Because God in his plan and his covenant with man in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 was that he would never penalize, strike the man in vengeance or in any form of revenge. Because he was not the one in disobedience. It was his wife. This is why it is so important that a man maintain a walk with God circumspectly. Because when the man sin, God does not strike him, but he strikes everything that surrounds him. It is his family that is touched by all sorts of calamity and scenarios in their lives. But yet the man can reach out by grace and God grants him mercy. But yet he is held to a standard that is so high to be the head of his home. Are you following me tonight? It's important that husbands understand the power and kingdom authority that is vested in their lives. Yes, you can choose to do what you want to. But if you're engaged in a family with a spouse and children and a heritage, you understand that your action influence a direct penalty upon that family in a good way or in a bad way. It was never Job that sinned. But yet God Hallelujah. When we see his behavior, we saw how that God brought everything yet back around to Job and restored to Job. Everything is family and everything was touched. Even though Job was an upright man, there was no flaw in Job. I'm trying to show you the severeness of a a leader of a husband to live a life that is circumspectly. You know, it is 
It's a selfish thing for a man, the leader of a home or a family, uh, to just choose to do what they want to. That's fine. We're given free moral agent to do what we want to do, and we can. But we have to understand we bear the responsibility of a lot of lives that's hinging upon our decisions and upon our actions. Bird Brown said in a message, thirsting for life, 1957. A man is the head of the family. He's the head of the house. Today, the woman's the head of the house. Look, brothers and sisters, I say to you tonight, dear fellow man, it is not left up to your wife to raise your children, your young adults, your teenagers, or to set the standards. It is up to the man to set the standard because he did not come in the way of transgression. He came through a covenant by God. Therefore, he knows the clear way how to please God. Are you following me now? Stay with me. There's lots more to go. Amen. Brother Ram said the man is the head of the family. He's the head of the house. Then his face, Jezebel, 1956. He said the man's the head of the house. But all in the United States, the woman's the head of the house there. Now to you do not have a spouse. I want to speak to you for a moment. Or had a spouse and have a family with children. There's still a divine order to your family life and home life sanctioned by God and by his prophets. Understand that the word and your pastor are your spiritual husband. Listen to the message. How can I overcome? 1963. Brother Bram said your pastor is your husband, spiritually speaking. You are to be under headship to your husband as long as he is under headship to the word. When he leaves the word, you stay with the headship, the word of God. Now, a woman is always to consult her husband in any decision. I know that's not popular, okay? I'm preaching to people who have adopted our society and culture and civilization into the message churches. I read the quote to you a couple of weeks ago that we are dealing with an Eden of science, an Eden of civilization, an Eden of culture, a better way of society. We are living in an Eden of science. But praise God, we have a, a better way. And that is the way through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So we understand that a woman is to always consult her husband in any, in any decisions. I understand that there are times when perhaps a woman's righteousness may outshine a man's righteousness. And uh, it seems unfair to be submissive to the male. But you have to understand, 
if he is trying and he's maintaining a level of righteousness and keeping his life in line and under the blood of Jesus Christ, then the woman had no choice but to be under headship to that man realizing that he's still subject to mistakes and shortcomings in his life. I hear this as a pastor many times where my husband, he don't even live right. I'm not going to listen to him. Brother, if he's trying, if he's got a right heart, and if he's making steps to doing what is right, then God holds that as righteousness in his sight. Sometimes, friends, uh, others' righteousness are better than ours, but yet God never overrides the principle and covenants of his word tonight. Now, these are simple elementary orders of the family, but they are required by God to be carried out tonight. I'm going to give you just a little story here in inspiration, spiritual inspiration, 1956. It's actually talking about the Shunan woman. Brother Bram, just for the sake of time, he talked about a little woman, and then he says, you know, this may be a drama. She said, husband, this is a godly man and something just tells me that I should do something for him. So I'm just going to ask you, you're the husband and the head of the house. I want you to understand, you can read all the way down. She wanted to build a little parlor for Elijah when he came by. But notice the point that I'm making is that she never went outside of the order and principle that God in had instituted. You know, I'm sure that woman probably was more spiritual than than uh, than uh, her husband. The Bible says she prayed day and night. She was a woman of God. It never mentioned anything about her husband. He could have been off somewhere, amen, doing something. I don't say sinning, but yet her righteousness had far outshined his. But yet in the scenario, here's the prophet says, she humbled herself and said, you know what? I'm going to ask you, you're my husband, the head of the house. You see, she caught the revelation of her position. It's important to catch the revelation of our position. I don't say you need a wink of sin in your marital relationship. I don't say you support uh, extramarital affairs or things like that. But I say to you as Christians, we follow God's principle and it will take us through. Are you with me now? Now if the pattern holds true, the father is also the head of his children. And this is God's divine plan for our family. He didn't say the mother is the head of the daughters or the children. It says the father is the head of the children. They're to be aware at all times of what's taking place in their lives. They're to be aware at where they are, where they're going, what they're indulging in, what they are uh, practicing, what they have become, and what they are part of. As long as they are under your home and your jurisdiction as parents, you are responsible to be the one that sees that things are carried out in an orderly manner as the spiritual priests of your homes. 
And when it comes to conduct, discipline, and courtship of our children, it's the father's responsibility to enforce these orders. Understand, wives are to give total support to their husbands, teaching of uh, chastity to their young adults. Understand that chastity is the state or practice of refraining from extramarital or especially from all sexual intercourse before marriage. Look, stay with me now. I bring it right back to the head of the house. It is crazy how we like to play hot potato and pass it on to one another. But I'm putting the blame where it needs to be tonight. The father is the head of the house. The quality of state of being chaste. Abstention from sexual intercourse. Purity in conduct and intention. Fathers must teach their young adults sexual abstinence. Look, the best sermon that I can preach you is one that I live. You're going through the messages right now as a church family on Hebrew chapter 4. And Brother Branham says a preacher is to preach his sermon and to live it too. He said if he can't preach it, that's not preaching. It's up to us as fathers to institute these ways to our young daughters and our young sons. This word has become a foreign, forgotten word in our message churches. Abstinence is never preached across message pulpits anymore. You know why? Because we've got too many still uh, uh, leaning upon the crutches uh, of their own guilt rather than giving it over to Jesus Christ to heal those other areas in their lives. So they carry the guilt of their sin from one generation into another while sacrificing their young adults at stake in Satan's Eden. You can say amen. You can get mad at me. But I'm going to tell you something. It's up to the father. To present his daughter as a chaste virgin to her husband. I'm not preaching you something that I've not practiced myself. I have two daughters that are listening to me now, and I hope to God I do not embarrass them. But when I presented them to their husbands, they were chaste virgins. I believe in chastity in young people in this age. I believe in young men and young women laying aside their useful lust and crying out to God and saying, Lord, you're able to help me. You getting quiet is not going to stop me. So you might as well say amen. I can preach with or without your amen tonight. Because I'm preaching to you something that I live before you. I'm going to give you some principles in just a moment that I not only preached for the last three decades, but I modeled it before you as a pastor. Fathers must, must teach their young adults sexual abstinence. 
Let's go to the word. Pull your Bibles out. Acts 15. If you don't mind, give him scripture. My, I can't really get to my Bible too much tonight. Acts 15, 19 through 20. Look at the word of God. I'm preaching the word tonight. You can choose to get mad at this. Or you can choose to say, Lord, amen to the word. It says, wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. But we write unto you that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication. Let me give you the definition of the difference of fornication and adultery. Fornication is unclean sexual activities before the sacred vows. Adultery is the act committed after the vows have been taken. First Thessalonians 4 and 3. I know this is going to sting tonight. But I'm willing, I'm willing to sacrifice myself tonight to be either hated or loved. Hallelujah. You can choose that. You have the option tonight. First Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that he should abstain from fornication. Since when is it fine? For young people to fornicate before marriage. And what's sad is parents turn and look the other way and act like it doesn't exist. That's what's cruel. That's what's sad. That's where the sin lies. It's not upon the acts, but it's upon those who have chosen to sit and remain silent. Thank you. Clearly we see in verse 3 here, it is God's will for us to abstain from sexual immorality. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 22, if you don't mind, it says, abstain from all appearance of evil. That means that it is not actually committed, but it has the potential of being committed. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Young people are to never engage in physical touch before marriage. And here are my no touch teachings before marriage. And I was preaching this 30 years ago. It hasn't changed. But just in case you haven't heard. Or maybe somebody has twisted my teachings. And chalked it up to legalism. Let me clear myself tonight. I believe in a no touch Principle before marriage. True Christians would never engage in any form of intimacy, be it kissing, 
touching or even holding hands before marriage. Uh-oh, I just lost some of you. No, sir. My youngest, I'll start with her. She just got married. Hallelujah. They date for some five years. There was never no holding hands, no touching, no sitting on the couch, up against each other, in each other's laps, arms around each other, whether I was present or not present. As a matter of fact, it was an awkward situation when Noah came over and we had family prayer and we're joining hands together and Naomi was the next one in line to hold hands with and he just kind of looked at me and wouldn't even touch her until I say, it's fine, you can hold her hands because I'm standing here with a shotgun. <laughs> now some of you may take this as self-exaltation, but I'm not. I'm telling you the reason I'm preaching like this is because I practiced it. I practiced it in my own family life, in my own marriage, with my own children. I still believe in a no-touch relationship before marriage. The questions I pose is, and I want to challenge you, can young adults... Hold hands with the opposite sex without entertaining lust. If the answer is yes, then come to the altar and let me lay hands on you and get that lying spirit off of you. Every, I mean not one is excluded. Every young person on this earth, number one love language is physical touch. Are you following me tonight? You see your hormones are raging. So why promote any form of physical touch when the danger lights are already flashing? Why put yourself in that position to fall and to live in condemnation? You see, people who are married today, who are messed up and have not heeded to godly pastors teaching the truth, struggle in their marriage today because of this type of situation I'm talking about. Are you with me? Every young person on earth, love language is physical touch because your hormones are raging. I believe it's up to mothers and fathers. And you are the teacher. And you are to teach your daughters to set boundaries. We still believe in boundaries. We still believe in everything being open. It's not my children that I never trusted. It's the devil I never trusted. You can sit here and get mad and angry at me. Or you can allow God to heal those false wounds in your lives this evening. You have to teach them to set boundaries. 
I say this, boys are going to try. And I'm not justifying them. Boys are going to try. But it's up to the girls to say what? No. Take your hands off. I'm saving it for my wedding night. I'm on where you live tonight. You can shout amen. It's a robber meeting the road tonight. There's nothing wrong in telling that boy, hey, you can't do that now. I'm saving it for you. Are you following me now? This brings me to letting you know that I do not support dating, but only courtship. Dating allows you to be exposed and engaged in multiple relationships before marriage. It's set up a history in love, affairs, and relationships prematurely before you arrive. So when you arrive, you're dealing with the baggage from the first, from the last, to the second and the third that you have dated through the years. Praise God. Are you with me now? The dating allows you to be exposed and engaged in multiple relationships, which later on causes endless problems in your marriage later on. A lot of problems in in marriage relationship are caused because of old bows in your life. That when the pressure and the test and the fire is sent to, set, to try your marriage, it gives an, ex, uh, an escape back to the ones that you have dated. And Facebook and Instagram and social networking has been the primary tool to reconnect you to old flames because you have shopped around and dated around instead of praying to God for leadership. Y'all get quiet. It's fine. You're going to hear me tonight. If you want to leave, you can. That wouldn't offend me either. Because I'm not the one benefiting. You are the one. Amen. I done have two girls at home. I got three granddaughters. A fourth one coming. Amen. I intend to hold these standards before them. I'm praying and hoping that my daughters would institute the same. And I believe they will. I say this is not becoming to young adults. Whereas courting is only with one of who you have thoroughly prayed about with intentions to marry. Now you understand, I hear a a very important point just prior. And, And I trust you will ask God to give you wisdom and explore upon that area that I spoke of. Dating opens the door for extramarital affairs after marriage. It tells you that you don't have to tough it out. That you don't have to, uh, you don't have to struggle in your marriage. That you don't have to go through this hell on earth. Because every marriage is. And it will be tried. 
It said marriage, amen, was made in heaven. And as I said, so is thunder and lightning. <laughs> marriage itself is a hell by itself. Don't get quiet. Some of you are laughing. Some of you. It is a hell by itself. But you can determine which side of that hell you want to live on. Closer to heaven or in the pits of hell. Young adults who choose dating and sitting together in churches tends to end up in a failed relationship and poor testimony. Sitting together in church before engagements portray a negative message. Hear me clearly, church. I don't believe in holding hands or physical touch before marriage. I do not sanction or condone couples sitting together in churches before marriage. My daughter is another example. She courted Noah for five years. They never sat together until they were engaged. And then they came to me and asked me if this was all right. Listen, friends, I'm not trying to build my family up or to bring self-exaltation. I can only I can only practice what I preach before you. And now some of you think that, oh, that's a bunch of nonsense. I can sit with who I want to sit with. Well, let me let me ask you this. If you sit around with four or five different girls in the church, and then when the right one comes along, and you somehow start courting, you marry that one, and if they're in the same church, trust me, you're going to have a marriage relationship full of jealousy. Because they're going to remember every girl and every boy you sat with in the church, and then they're going to dig deeper to know what went on in that relationship. You better sit with the one that God tells you to marry. Give the Lord a good clap offering right now. You love him? Praise God anyhow. Said Brad Johnson, yeah, quote for that. Yes. Fred Brown said when he was dating Hope, he sat with her and he didn't hear one thing the preacher had to say. Uh-huh. Proletarians, take that one and buff it. Why? Because his mind was on that beautiful Hope. He was human. And you come telling me that you can sit in church Amen with whoever you want to sit with, young adults, and your number one uh, problem, uh, your love language is physical touch, and your hormones are raging, and then you got your mind on what I'm preaching. I see you many times. The eyes have been made, and the notes have been passed, and the sermon goes over your head. You know how I know that? I used to clean the church, you know. I have evidence. I ought to pull some of them out on you. Yeah, I was a janitor. 
I was a trusty boy and a deacon boy. I was everything. I still am. What God, where God wants me, that's where I want to be. Amen. It's a good thing I have a good sense of humor. <laughs> or else I would take you back in that office and give you a good tongue lashing. But thank God for mercy. Amen. Point blank. You should never sit together only after you have courted and engaged to be married. Now, I can hear rumors flying around this message. You got to go listen to what he's preaching now. He's really off his rockers now. Last time I had to post something on the back of where I stand to marrying couples. Now I'm going to have to post something else of physical touch, sitting together, and all these things. And have people come into church in special meetings and take special photograph of it. So they have evidence that I'm a nut. But I'm bolted to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm bolted to Jesus Christ. Praise God. You believe it? More in courtship later on in the series. Everybody say amen. amen. Set boundaries when courting. Listen, listen to me tonight. Set boundaries when courting. Whoever it is that you are courting. It is the girl's responsibility to bring up boundary setting first because it is so crucial of creating and sustaining a healthy, fun, rewarding courtship relationship. Are you listening, friends? Bring it up. Say, you like me? I like you. That's how we used to start when we were kids. We didn't say we love you. We like you. Right. Now they go beyond like. It's intimacy. Amen. Bring up these things. Stay with me. I'm not going to be much longer. Stay with me. Let me finish this. I'm setting the root work now to elaborate and preach to you tonight. It is up to the girl to set the standard first. No matter what answer you ultimately come to, if you don't set boundaries with the one you are courting, you will blow the relationship to pieces. It's important tonight, young ladies, to set boundaries. When you think that anything short of intercourse is okay while courting, and if you don't set boundaries, you will Zoom past your intentions because you cannot go into a courtship relationship with good intentions. Intentions must be verbalized. Are you listening to me tonight? They must be verbalized. We don't do this. We don't do that. We don't do the other because good intentions will be zoomed past. Are we still together tonight? Remember, almost no one seeks in life, seeks pain rather in life, 
But intentions without boundaries guarantee failures. No one ever seeks pain in life. But friends, if you live just off of intention without boundaries, I want you to understand that failure is guaranteed. It is. And the choice is yours. Set boundaries or get set for failure. And don't feel sorry for yourself. Open yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, oh God, oh send your healing power into my life. I guarantee you, your children will love you for it. And your grandchildren are going to love you for what I'm teaching you tonight. I want you to listen, young people. I want you to give some, I want to give you some uh, pitfalls as I close. I want to give you some pitfalls to avoid in, in, in your choice of courtship tonight. Because by now you understand I don't sanction dating. But I do sanction courtship because it is something that you have prayed about. Hallelujah. You long for. You want it. My precious brother Kobe. Amen. Who heed to my warnings and waited for the right one in life. But you know what? I'm not praying. I don't need to speak out. Just whatever God's will is. I, I don't know what it is. That's how you all have to pray. Lord, it's not my will, but you're right. Anybody comes to me with this scenario, I always tell them that it's not my choice. I can't tell you who to marry, who not to marry, who to court, who not to court. But just pray about it, and God's will be done. And trust me, it'll work out. It'll work out for everybody. Whoever it is, it'll all work out for the glory of God. You believe it? I want you to, number one, to determine your standards of behavior with the one you're courting and write them down. Listen, listen, young people. Listen, moms and dad, fathers. Determine the standard of your behavior with the one you're courting and write them down. This is how we will conduct ourselves orderly. Number two, Share your standards with your family and friends and ask them for support. What you're then doing is making yourself accountable. Accountability is of God. Paul spoke of accountability. He said we should be accountable to one another. Number three, choose friends who share your beliefs about chastity. Because not everybody in the message believes, promotes, and practice chastity and abstinence, even though they are under the umbrella of the message. You believe it? Not everybody supports it. Not everybody's part of that. They don't want it. Because it's old-fashioned. Because they think it makes them an enemy with their heritage, their children, their family. But if you love them, you will tell them the truth. 
Number four, break our ties with friends who have no permissive attitude about physical touch and premarital sex. I'm trying to tell you young people and you mothers and fathers how to lead your family today. I'm giving you divine godly instructions how to help the young people in this church. It's not left up to the, just the young people uh, to just hold themselves up. It's left up to the fathers and the mothers and the adults in the church to make them accountable. Number five, court only people who share your views about chastity. Ask that boy straight up front. Do you think it's okay to kiss before marriage? You think it's all right to fool around before marriage? If he says yes, run for your life. But you know what? The standards have been diluted. And the young ladies now have diluted their standards on the account of missing priesthood in the homes. And they're feeling like they have to lower their standards to have a guy on their arm. Trust me, if God has somebody for you, there's no devil in hell or no person in this world can ever take that person from you. If God decree you are to marry a certain person. Hell can try it. But God will give you the one that he has chosen for you. You believe it? Praise the Lord. Number six. Listen, young people. I know I'm preaching long, but I'm tired too, but I got to finish this. Avoid music, movies, videos, and magazines that include sexual content or promote premarital sex. Listen to some of the music you sneak around, you listen to, and you say, oh, nobody knows about that. Them things are full with sexual suggestions. No wonder your hormones are raging. No wonder you can't, you can't wait to find a girl to where you can just, oh, man, I, I got to practice this. It's playing in your subliminal minds. Listen, church, I'm just trying to help you tonight. All you young people, I love each and every one of you. All you young girls, every one of you in the front listening to me, I wouldn't preach to you like this, are you young men, if I didn't love you. I wouldn't preach to your fathers if I didn't love you. You say, well, oh, man, I'm so glad I passed that phase of my life. Well, trust me, you got some grandchildren coming quickly behind that. So you need to be reminded. I never thought I'd be, I'd be here tonight celebrating Addie. She made me pause. Five years. Soon it'll be 15 years. The time's going fast. Now I have to look at myself face to face in the mirror and say, you know what? In your message records, it's been almost a decade that you had not dealt with family issues in this church. And you need to start talking about family matters before matters slip away from you. Number seven, don't allow yourself to be alone in an empty house, a room with the one you are courting. And fathers, you are the one to set that standard. While you're allowing a boy to come to your house, when you're not there or your mother's not there, her mother's not there, you just set that girl, poor girl up or that boy for 
an act that will be displeasing to God and it will bring a, a scar upon their marriage and upon their minds. Set the standards. Be apparent, not appear. Quit being a friend and be an administrator. Tell the truth and God will back it up tonight. Set the standards. Don't allow yourself to be alone in an empty house. Young men, are you listening to me, young ladies? Don't allow yourself to be in an empty house with a boy alone unless mom and dad are there or you have a chaperone. I love Carrie Faith's speech at Naomi and Noah's wedding. She said, I know this couple so much because we practically dated together the whole relationship. Because she did not go on a date or a courtship by herself. Carrie Faith was our chaperone. And I trusted you. And I hope you didn't look the other way, which I believe you didn't have to. The presence of God to validate and vindicate the marriage was a sanction of God's approval. Leads me to number eight. Court with chaperones. Message people, the message girls on. And boys, they don't want to hear about this kind of stuff. They get in the car and, and they go anywhere they want to by themselves. They sit in the dark with nobody watching. And you say, oh, I trust them. No, I don't trust them. Look at me. I'm not an idiot. I don't trust anybody. I don't trust this flesh. I don't trust the devil. Our minds are racing, but I'm sorry to invoke such thoughts. Amen. But you know what happened in the dark when nobody's in there? Court with chaperones. Number eight. When courting, make friendship, not physical affection, the foundation of your relationship. Make friendship, not physical affection, the foundation of all your relationship. Some girls will not, some boys will not even go with a girl unless she give him a kiss or let him do what he want to her. That's not, that's not, that's not love. That's, that's pure nasty lust. When courting, make relationship, not physical affection, the foundation. I mean, really, you understand, I can preach on all these for another Ten service. I'm just hitting the highlight, but I'll come back on them. And number nine, when courting, choose activities that are public and productive, socializing with other friends. Hey, listen, if you just want to be by yourself all the time, that's a big red flag. If you don't want to court with everybody else and have chaperone, you've got ill intentions. But you're going to have just as much a fulfilling courtship with people around you if your heart's pure as if you went off and tried to allow yourself to go on good intentions. Walking together, biking together, playing board games with friends. There's nothing wrong with that. For our generation, that's too boring because all this filth is upon their mind. A boy that will actually, or a girl that will engage in, in, in activities before marriage will have a struggle to have respect for each other in the relationship. 
Because let me tell you this. Amen. That boy, that girl, that boy will never actually respect that girl the way that he should. But through time and repentance and being under the blood of Jesus Christ, God can heal that marriage. But it's going to take some time. Y'all getting quiet. It's the truth I'm telling you. Nine times in a relationship where there's no respect is because people have been messing around before marriage. And it tears that sacred respect that God has given you for each other. It pulls it away. And it makes sexuality something nasty and dirty and filthy and immoral. But in the sight of God, marriage is honorable and the bed is on the foul. As you spend time together in these ways, you will get to know each other better and you will avoid temptation and uh, tempting situations. And and I'll I'll stop right here because my time is gone. Lastly, do not participate in any activity you find sexual arousement such as back rubbing, cuddling, and kissing. That's for the marriage. Young people must understand the seriousness of purity in the time of courtship. I believe the message gives tremendous support to my teaching. Amen. The message as the musicians come and the oddball, Brother Bram said, little girls, little boys and girls up here hugging and kissing like I don't know. Do you know, my sister, that's potentially an adultery. When a man kisses you, he has potentially committed adultery with you. You should never let him kiss you until you're married. For the glance, both male and female glances in the lip. You understand, you shouldn't let a boy kiss you until the veil is raised on your face and you're his wife. Is that what the message says? You see, friends, some of the failures that we had in our own relationships now in our marriage, it goes back all the way, trickles way all the way back to this matter I'm talking about. And this message is not in no sense of condemnation. It is only arousing those areas in our lives to understand that we have an accountability and a responsibility to the generation that's coming up behind us. Look around. We have some beautiful young ladies in this church. Some of you men were blessed with all sisters. Brother Ben. (laughs) Brother Jonathan. Some of you were blessed with boys. But when we come and we bring them all together, we are a family and we understand we must be watchful. We must be accountable. We need to teach our family how to respect God's direction. Mothers and fathers cannot be without concern to instruct his family in righteousness. Unless there will be lasting consequences. I believe it is evident that parental lifestyle and attitude will be magnified in the lives of our children. And tonight parents are responsible to be godly and to instill godly values in their families. You believe it tonight? I believe tonight we're facing a great moral breakdown in our churches as a result of parents 
being the role models. I believe we must set up high standards and enforce boundaries by example. You believe that? You see, some parents have never repented about their negligence, but justified. Listen, Brad Ram said in the message, faith that was once delivered. We need today is some good old-fashioned. Uh, God sent Holy Ghost mothers to raise children. Talk about juvenile delinquency. It's parents. Delinquency is where it's at. Fathers are crucial in a family life, too. Because if the father is godly, the family will tend to be godly today. And parents have incredible influence on their children. We just started the new year with the message influence. And Brother Branham is talking about these things. How these children are influenced by our actions and the things that we do. You see, most likely your children live by the standards that you live by. You believe that? They do. They live by the same that you live by. I, I'm going to close for now tonight. And I trust, I, I know I said a lot. But I'll tell you one thing. Tonight is going to be the best night, night rest that I got because the last few nights has been horrible. But tonight I'm sleeping good because I made a deal with God. I told him if I'm obedient to go and preach, then I'm depending on you to knock me out tonight. <laughs> Amen. So if I, I don't answer your call by noon tomorrow, forgive me. Let's all stand to our feet. Give the Lord a good clap offering. Atmosphere is so thick, I've got it with a knife. Undefiled, real pure lives. Walking holy. Walking holy.
you receive this message tonight. I can feel the Holy Spirit. There's not been any resentment in this church. Amen. God's going to bless you for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. you want to have a testimony hallelujah when that dumb devil comes and bring up your past you can bring up where you're at now and say but look at my children hallelujah my failures has propelled them into perfection and I don't mind telling them I mess up I made a mistake I came short but you know what back in our time you didn't hear preaching like this amen they didn't have the quote book they didn't have pastors who would get up and tell them where and how they should live. They were too interested in preaching the seals and the mystery and the seven weeks of Daniel. Amen. And, and preaching all the revelation so far up there where young people was messing around in the bathroom in the church. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen. But thank God I had the courage to tell you tonight, this is where I stand. And I love you and I thank you. I can truly say this tonight. Not one resentment that I felt from the sermon tonight. I felt it were welcome with love and adoration. And because of that, I believe God's going to bless you tonight. Do you love the Lord? God bless you. And for some of the young people who went to winter retreat, this may sound like a repeat. But this is how I've always preached. And I always believed. Amen. I haven't changed. Like I said... I've been an example to you with my own family. Amen. We're not perfect. You know, some people think just because I'm the pastor and I pastor children that we get a free pass. Not so. We live in a fishbowl. A big aquarium. Hallelujah. Amen. I thank God for my children who have been through the fire with me. They're not perfect. But they're willing to talk to daddy. So, Daddy, pray for me about this. Pray for me about that. Hallelujah. God bless you tonight. I love you. Thank you for being attentive tonight. This is part one. We've got several more to go. I hope you can handle it. <laughs> Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your love, Lord. Watch over this congregation. You see, Lord, these principles and teachings are things that are not new. They're ever old but remain fresh in the church. I pray, Lord, that you'll watch over us. Bless us. Thank you for the ministers, Lord, in our congregation. Help us all, Lord, as servants of God, to raise the standards high. Realize that we're not excluded, Lord, from the trials and the pressure and the burden of being the priests of our families. Strengthen us, Lord. Strengthen our hands. Bless each family. Bring us back at the appointed time. Sunday morning, Lord, we're looking for a great time of refreshing in the presence of the Lord and the church says amen and amen. God bless you. We're looking forward to seeing you Sunday morning. Uh, Children's church is at 945. Uh, Sunday school at 10. And we have adult Sunday school at uh, 1030. Then I'll be preaching here and meet you at the pulpit about 1130. Mark, don't go over. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Pray one for the other, and God bless you. Shalom to you.